First of all, I ain't never wrote a motherfucking resume in my whole entire life. So me reading them, like yeah. I've been having different people help me, like HR services and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people lie on their resume. Right, right. I think that if you put this shit on this fucking piece of paper <laughs> and submitted it to a company, this yeah. is what you really do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Calling in, can't come to work. Oh, that's ghetto. It's the fifth. Deadline was the first. Oh, that's ghetto. Payroll do again. Pockets hurt. Oh, that's ghetto. Good idea. Now we buy merch. another episode of the ghetto ceo podcast and i'm super excited that you guys are here because we keep it raw and unfiltered at the ghetto ceo podcast okay like we're giving you we love being a ceo but there's some behind the scenes stuff that's just really giving ghetto so i bring you guys people that really can share the transparent portion of being a ceo so you guys can learn learn from their mistakes learn from their problems and trials right so that you guys can be able to continue to grow i'm not gonna say that being a ceo ain't gonna be ghetto for you but i am gonna say you're gonna learn from this next person so listen i my girl Judy the real BB Judy in the studio today and I don't know if you've been on a rock but like Judy is literally a disruptor like culture disruptor okay you may have seen her um from the Vine days when she was on Vine with the uh the Edge Police or you've seen her amazing campaigns with the WAP with Cardi B and all the things right like you may have seen her on Instagram or you may have just seen them announce her and her wife Brett is having a little baby so we're gonna talk about all the things behind this multi-eight figure brand um kaleidoscope so welcome to the ghetto ceo show judy mm-hmm. uh, welcome to the ghetto ceo podcast how are you feeling i'm good thanks for having me this is super cute and comfortable yes listen i want to make you comfy so you can tell us all the tea okay but listen no for real like you are you gonna be transparent are you gonna give us the raw and unfiltered i don't know how to be anything with that period i think to a fault i love it so let them know who you are and how did we get here how did you become the judy oh my god um first of all let's talk about the name because when i first (laughs) when i first came up with the name the real bb judy of course Mm -hmm. the real big booty judy right i never really pictured it you know like I never pictured myself being like a hair mogul icon mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it so the name didn't really connect to that but I had branded it yeah so I didn't want to change it but I was like what if Michelle Obama I want to tell her to follow me you know how you say follow the real BB Judy that right, seems right. so unprofessional yeah. but now it's so everybody it's knows me as that and exactly. it's fitting so yeah exactly so what how did you get here like what how did you get to this point in your business oh Child, um, I was a hairstylist okay. for years on top of years on top of years. Um, and there was a void in the market. I felt like one of my one of my clients cheated on me for somebody mm. else. Mm. And then she came back to me mm. and the girl had did her a ponytail uh-huh. and she wound up missing hair at the top of her ponytail from a bobby pin injury. So then I felt compelled to feel like 
bitch, we gonna fix it. You know, <laughs> right. like you, you sat here, you cheated, and now you back, and I gotta fix somebody else's problem, but we gonna fix right. it. So I felt like there was nothing really in the market outside of at the time. It was like Rogaine and stuff you might see. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do something for you know our market, right? Um, and I I didn't expect it to do what it did wholeheartedly because I felt like I, I'm gonna be selling these things to my clients mm-hmm. and it would be an upsell. And then I took it to social media. Like I watched social media. I watched what it was doing. I watched how it was growing. So I found some popular people on social media, um, did like the butter system. I was a hairstylist. I was doing it hair for free, giving them hair for free for them to post me. Um, It started growing my salon page. I said, hey, I should do this with the products and Mm -hmm. did it with the products. Wasn't scared to do real disruptive type stuff, like run up on, you know, (laughs) celebrities in real life. You know, paying club promoters to find out what hotel they put the celebrities in when they had them in town and run up on them in real life. So Um, these were not planned like, okay, y'all, I see y'all sitting over there. I'm about to come over here and then I'm going to run up to you and you ate like some of them. Okay, but some of them like when I got Cardi was my first. Like real life, nobody nobody knew I was gonna be there. This and the other, and I'm like, hey, girl, you know, I, you know, such and such, such yeah. and such, and you don't be intrusive and kind of be in their face, right? Um, so you do get permission, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I felt like I wanted to get my brand out there no matter what. I wanted to be loud and proud about it. And before the celebrity run-ups, we did something called the Edge Police. Yes. Which was a remake of Cops. Right. And because I didn't have no marketing budget. I didn't even know what the fuck a marketing budget was. <laughs> right, you know what right. I'm saying? I felt like I wanted people to know who I was. When I, I wanted to people know what the brand was, know what the product did. Mm-hmm. In turn, identify with the founder. Right. And just kind of get some sales. Like I didn't I didn't expect it to turn into what it did. I think for me, the biggest the biggest win has been what's called edutainment, which you're educating a customer mm-hmm. while entertaining them. So you yeah. find things to me that were culturally fit for the brand remake it but also kind of tell the people what it is so in real time we went to party city got like cop shirts and we ran up on different people in our city like we asked people would send us their friend address oh she missing her edges this and the other and we would knock on their door now that was real now that was when i tell you in real time real life nobody they people didn't know we was coming and so we would hold the people down slick their edges or you know it was it was fun and at at the time like it was us having fun but then it really monetized like it really really monetized i had never i had been doing hair and hair is lucrative Mm -hmm. I had never seen that much money. And I was like, this is just from social media having fun? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it just made sense. And you want to know, I don't think I ever told you this, right? So I remember when you were in New Orleans doing hair. I actually mm-hmm. was in Hattiesburg. I went to Southern Miss. Okay. And I used to like email you. I think I was looking for the email because I was like, I'm going to show Judy. It was like Kaleidoscope at AT&T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that like, is it. <laughs> that is it. Like, yes. Yes. I found it. it. And I was like, hey, Judy, I do this, this, this. I want to come work for you. Da, da, da. So literally, like, That's it's amazing. so funny now that our paths have like realigned. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that God is like amazing in the way that he positions things. But the way that you have, like, it's just been amazing seeing the growth from there from vine to like mm-hmm. now we here yeah it's different yeah it is definitely different you know i will say this i feel like the more you scale the more you grow the more you know the more money you the more money you make the more corporate things have to become okay and I think that kind of takes the fun out of it sometimes mm. so i feel like as you grow your business you have to make sure to set up those 
buffers to make sure that people are doing that part of it. Because when you lose the essence of creativity or when you lose the essence of having fun, it's like... Because it's cool yeah. to make the money, but I, I still like content creation. Yeah. That's my thing. Like, yeah. I like marketing. I like just doing disruptive stuff. I like, you know, like, I, I feel like if we had to, if I sold lace glue before somebody actually did this, because I taught this on my, um, when I went on tour, I was yeah. like, somebody, somebody's going to do it. Somebody needs to jump out of a helicopter and go down. And that's going to show with lace glue. Like, I'm the type of person mm. that feels like, why don't we have a message in something that's just right. phenomenal. You right. know what I'm saying? Versus it just, hey, I sell this. This is what it does. No, yeah. I want to I wanna make it fun. I want you to understand exactly. it. I want you to relate. I, I like that. Like, I really, really like content creation. No, I think that that's good. And even what you said with the more you scale, the more money you make, right? The mm-hmm. less fun you actually I remember when I was like in the trenches like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it wasn't being broke isn't fun but right, it's like no. no I agree no I agree yeah so it's like you really you are your most creative like you got your most inspiration like mm-hmm. and then the hustle is different yeah yeah so I, I do that's why I say I feel like it's great to have a buffer mm-hmm. it's great to build a team to be able to absorb some of those things or mm-hmm. to make sure that your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed because as the CEO you know first of all I ain't never been no motherfucking million like nobody in my family taught <laughs> yeah, me how yeah. to do this shit yeah. so you know like you you doing it so you wearing all of the hats you're not realizing that I need an executive to do this I need HR mm-hmm. to do this I need hey if you if you're terminating somebody you have to do it a certain way well if, if the fuck they didn't do their job I can't just say you fired <laughs> it's so many different things that yeah. us as CEOs we we stand up and do because mm-hmm. if nobody else is going to do it you know then we have to do it but Absolutely. I feel like if you structure yourself properly you still can stay in your creative bubble and I think that's one of that's one of the lessons that I learned and I was like it when it's not fun for me no more fuck the money right right I still want I this to be fun yeah. so how did you even build like do you feel like you have it now or like how did you get to that point I don't have everybody I want because I would okay. like to have a strong enough team to be able to take some mommy time when we have the baby. Yeah, We're not there yet. Um, so I want to grow a couple. I mean, I want to be able to grow it a little bit more and have a couple of more people, but I do have more team members than I had before. Yes. Okay. So first of all, you have a daughter, right? Like how old are I you have three children. You have three children. How old are your kids? 25, 23, 21, something like that. And you and starting I- over. I know. <laughs> How does this feel? With uh, Now you're starting over with a different playing field because you got like a lucrative business now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. were you an entrepreneur when your kids were younger? I was a hairstylist. Okay. So my kids grew up in a, in a beauty shop. Okay. So my kids, you know, my kids, and we talk about this. We actually had a conversation. I felt like um, this time around... Cause I missed a lot of stuff with my kids. Cause mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, like really grinding. Like as yeah. a hairstylist, I would go sometimes. I would go on Friday and Saturday five in the morning, mm-hmm. and then on Friday I would just my end time would be when I'm finished. So yeah. that's after ten p.m. And on Saturday it would be five in the morning. But I try to get off early to spend mm-hmm. some time with my children on Saturday and Sunday. But it was a lot that I was trying to do, you know. And I feel like this time around, I would love to be able to leverage it better where I can spend more quality time because my kids have relayed to me and then on a goddamn television show <laughs> when the fucking camera's there. Right, like um, all this other time we were spending. <laughs> right, was like, like yeah. I felt like I was missing something. I'm like, well, damn, you couldn't tell me this before that? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, Hello. I've been knowing you for your whole life and you wait till we might. Mi- we yeah. wait till we might. Right. But anyway, yeah, so I'm 
I'm excited about it for my wife. Like, I'm excited too, but I'm excited about it for my wife. This is the first time, like, this is like our, her first time being pregnant like this. You know, it's the first time, you know, like experiencing all the things. And she's such a nurturing person. So I know that, um, that the journey itself up until this point right now, we bought like 21, 22 weeks. This, the journey has been amazing because she's just amazed by everything. Right. She's like, that's the baby in there? You know, yes. like... Y'all was on some interview and she was like, yeah, I'm on my first uh, semester. Right. <laughs> I'm like this is amazing. I love it. Right. Here. <laughs> right. So yes. I, and I, I can imagine. I can just only imagine once the baby's here, her holding it, breastfeeding. So mm. I am really excited about this for the both of us, but mostly for her because this is her first go round, and you know, first time mommy stuff is all the way different from I say a veteran. Yeah. Because you do it like once you had a couple of children, not yeah. saying the children aren't the same. It's right. just things are different. Mm-hmm. Like you get the first of everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. So how do you plan to position your business as a CEO to like now truly enjoy the, the your child, but also not, you know, sacrifice with your goals? That's. I think it's it's team building. I really think it's building a strong team. I think that's super difficult right now, though. If we want to talk about some ghetto shit, yeah. <laughs> the ghetto shit right now Come is on. the workforce because COVID has gotten people so used to working from home mm-hmm. and not being as efficient because yeah. then I also think, I think it's both sides. Right. I think it's the people that work from home and got used to it. And then I also think it's the employers that got used to calling on their people at any point in time because they know they're home. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the employees started then just hey since I'm working seven days and I'm only supposed to do 40 hours I'm only going to do this many right, in a right, day so right. now everybody's kind of trained to be different from how it's how it you know how it's kind of supposed right. to be so in in the workforce I've I haven't had the best I haven't had the best of luck and then you look like the bad person when you hire somebody and then you wind up terminating them before a certain amount of time because it looks like, oh, you can't keep nobody there. But I just wish, first of all, I ain't never wrote a motherfucking resume in my whole entire life. So me reading them, like yeah. I've been having different people help me, like HR services and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people lie on their resume. Right, right. I think that if you put this shit on this fucking piece of paper and <laughs> submitted it to a company, this yeah. is what you really do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's been two and instances I- now where <laughs> people have written some shit on a resume and I put them in the work like we train them and we put them in the workforce to do the shit that they say they can do right and it they can't do it (laughs) and then the worst part is because I'm trying to build and Mm -hmm. everybody I'm I'm blessed to have people that are on my team that really get it right Mm -hmm. and they work really hard so if we add somebody to it and we think that they're doing their job and they're not, mm-hmm. it makes everybody have to split their tests. Exactly. So now we have four people that's already overextended. We've hired two, but they don't really do their job. So right. now four people at the last minute are really overextended because we about to meet a deadline on something that we thought you could do, but no. we looked at it and exactly. our whole thing got to be redone exactly. before we go fly to Walmart tomorrow. Right. <laughs> when we already had the shit I was supposed to do today. Yes. I did my job as a CEO. They did their jobs. Now, that's ghetto. That is really ghetto. And then the worst part is, in the industry that I'm in, it's so small that yeah. if you hire and fire so many people, then the word get out that you don't keep people long. I'm like, well, can right. somebody just tell me the truth? Because I don't... <laughs> let me tell you something. I 
don't expect you to know everything. Yes. And I'm a person that will sit in a meeting and say, I don't know how to do this. I yes. don't care that I'm the founder. I don't care that I'm the CEO. I'm not right. about to portray and act like, I don't even know the words you just said. Can you tell me what that means? I don't right. mind being that person right. because I feel like as a leader, as the person that's over this company, I have made it very okay for everybody that works for me to be able to say what they lack and we mm-hmm. help them get it. Yeah. So don't come in here and act like you know how. I'd rather you tell me, I know you want me to do these 10 things. I could do these seven. I'm going to need help with the three. Yeah. I'm cool with I'm that, cool bitch. With I'm still going to hire you because yeah. I still need you because I can't do the seven. Right. Don't tell me you can do the 10. Yes. No, I think that that's so good because I think a lot of times people don't realize, and I think the most frustrating thing about being a CEO is that you can't even get to your like top level potential because you waiting on other people to realize their potential or like finding the people that can help you get to that level. Well, so let me tell you what I learned. What I learned is even in building a team, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the people that I have a team, it might be like a 20 people now, right? So okay. like 18, 20. And out of that, I have five of them that I'm really, really close with, like that I have to talk to because they're in my core of what I'm doing, right? Right, right. I have a salesperson, but, and, but I talk to them, but I might talk to them once or twice a week. But I, on my marketing team, I'm yeah. on the phone with them motherfuckers every day. Right. I have to, and, and half of them are on my show because, you know, the show follows your life. Right. So we spend a lot of time together. So those people, I feel like I have a great affection to, right? And I want to make sure, like, it's hard to separate business and, and relationship. Mm-hmm. So that so then when somebody does come in the company and they aren't showing up and it makes us have to overextend everybody, I'm really mad now because now mm-hmm. I know it's not just plays on me, but it plays on this person yeah. who doesn't really get to spend time with their children on it anyway. Right. It plays on this person who has a husband but always travels for us. Mm-hmm. It plays on all of these different things. So it's like... and then, But the real thing is also now sometimes they get hurt, but they mad at you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm saying. Ain't, ain't let, me. let me tell you something though. <laughs> I have been the I have always been because I feel like whatever I put out there, God always gives me 10, 20, 100 times over. So uh-huh. e- even if I do terminate somebody, I am a person. I give people crazy severances because mm-hmm. I want to kind of keep a I want to keep a good rapport with people. I want to keep yeah. a good name out there. The last person I offered a severance to was like twenty one thousand dollars. Right. And the person so came back because they stuck at their job. But she she wound up being uh she wound up telling us the news of her being pregnant, oh. but she still couldn't do the job. So I felt. But this is real because I think that y'all need to hear this. Like right, but she she told me she so she couldn't do the job. Yeah. We try to do we try to give her li- different tasks, and she came back and said something about what no I want double double or nothing. And so I'm like, now I can't give you anything because it's, it's egregious for you to want something that, and I didn't do anything wrong. And she even, it was even something where she went to the labor force and I'm like, okay, but it, it wasn't in my favor because I didn't do anything wrong. wrong. And I, anytime I try, anytime I terminate somebody and then if it's a small termination, I'm going to give them two to four weeks to pay. Right. Mm-hmm. But if it's a termination and I feel like, you know what, this day situation, I feel bad about this. I offer like, I, I, I'm real decent. That's what I'll say. I'm yeah. real decent because I try to consider about how long will it take for them to find some. And I don't yeah. have to do that. You don't. And people that don't is fuck, an optional And thing. people don't do that shit. No. People don't do that shit. But I feel like for me, I just want to keep a great rapport. I want to keep a great rapport. And I also want to make, I feel like God is going to catch me up. Yeah. So I feel like God is always going to catch me up. So I'm not worried about it. I just wish people just would say what the fuck they know and they don't. That's it. When I tell you that, I, that's all I want. I think people... 
people will come to a company like mine and they feel like if I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to do this. If I say I don't know how to do social media, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to work there. No, bitch, we got that. Yeah. So it's okay to say it. Yeah. It's okay to tell me that because then you can sit around when we have our meetings and, and you can understand it. I need you for the stuff I don't know how to do. I don't I don't understand TPR. You know what that is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, temporary price reduction mm-hmm. in the stores. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the advantage of TPRs and yeah. what time of year you spend. I don't do that. I, I didn't right. study that. I need mm-hmm. you for that. Mm-hmm. So marketing in my... um. And my industry is not just social media. It's not right. just ads. It's not right. just email marketing. It's a lot to do with the retailers, the the programs you participate in. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Walmart and we have a um a gift set for Christmas and it's fifty percent off, we as the as the company have actually paid for that. Right. And you have to you have to schedule it in advance. They'll ask you that shit in March. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to, I don't know because if you, if you participate in too many programs and you don't know your profit margins and you don't know all of the different things, yeah. you're going to wind up being upside down at the end of the year. Right. And I've learned my business, right. but I don't know that side of it. Like right. I, I understand what it, how it affects the business, but I need somebody that's a professional uh, in that yeah. capacity yeah. that does that. So I just been having all kind of hiccups with that. Like yeah. if, if I could, cause I, in the perfect world, I would have the team built, right, like, by June. Okay. I would have the team built, and I'm comfortable with them by June. I just don't know if it's going to happen like that. Because I would love to be able to take two steps away. Mm, and be able to step back from the company. Yeah. not And not, like, let somebody else run it, but just to be able to kind of at least do four to six weeks with, the, with a newborn. Right, 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 yeah. right. And I think that's fair. And I think that's a one side of, like, being a CEO that we don't get to talk about. Like, there is no PTO. There is no vacation off time. There's no, like, nobody is, like, there's no substitute. Right, like mm-hmm. that's coming in. That somebody should start a substitute CEO business. I don't <laughs> know though, because imagine the headache of that. Right, right, right. Like, oh my god, in, imagine right, the headache like, of that. Because even down to everybody wants to talk about. Like, I, I've talked to a couple of my friends, and they've all experienced the same thing where you hire somebody, and then you don't want them really in your Shopify because then you don't want them to see the numbers. Because then when they see the numbers, they're gonna feel like they're not getting paid enough. But people don't even understand that there are some weeks that we don't pay ourselves. Facts. Like when you scaling, I don't care how many millions I made. When I'm scaling and I gotta buy inventory, I might skip. Everybody else gonna get their payroll, right? But I might, I might skip my payroll a few times a year. Yeah. Yeah. And be perfect fine with that but nobody it's not a conversation I'm not gonna tell y'all oh I'm gonna wait I'm, I'm gonna hold y'all off till next yeah. week no I'm gonna be the person that's eating that right, right. even down to people that work for you when they make a mistake we pay for that Fake. I had somebody make and make a like a $700,000 mistake you say how much right they salary not even that but you seven thousand seven hundred we had we had an issue with a misprint on a label mm-hmm and we ran, we, nobody caught it. And so we had to eat a whole bunch of labels because we couldn't put it out in the market because it was labeled as something that it wasn't. Oh an ingredient that people might be allergic to. Yeah. So then And we now imagine to, if you would have ran with it. And it would have went to the market. And you would but, have But got, that's my point, though. People don't talk about that. Because if you have employees <laughs> and they mess up, you're responsible for it. You are yeah, always responsible. At the end of the day, and I'm not complaining about being a CEO, yeah, but yeah. since we're talking about some <laughs> of the gripes, 
You're responsible for everybody. Yeah. I know everybody has that task list. And of course, okay, well, even, even if they did something that's a fireball offense, you're still responsible for what they did. Mm. Everything. Everything mm-hmm. falls underneath the umbrella of your company. Yeah. You being the CEO, you're responsible for it at the end of the day. Golly. And we don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. And you just ate that. Like, what no, like, how did you feel going through this? I felt like, bitch, you better go have a sale. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, we about to go figure out how to make this back because this shit don't make no sense. Y'all better figure out how to get them labels off, how to reprint that. And yeah. then we looked at we looked at the cost analysis on that and that for that wasn't really making sense either. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, the fuck? Are right. you serious? That's wild. Yeah. And the fact that, like I said, we just have to keep going. Cause it's not like I can sit in that moment for a minute. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I had to just No, because now I really got to go because I got to make up for it. <laughs> I got to make this money. Right. I got to... Nah, this... Listen, Black Friday ain't till the end of the year. So right. what can we do? Because I want to make it up at once. Like, right. I want... What What are we going to do this month to try to do this, do that? Facts. And I think a lot of people... You said something that is really good. Like, you said that sometimes even at scaling... Because a lot of people think that making more money immediately means you're more profitable. And I talk about all the time, like most big companies are not that profitable. Like you could probably make probably whatever you take home, right? If you just had ran a smaller company, had one VA, like you could probably take that home, but you are really doing this for not just yourself. Right. Right. Exactly. For me, like when we went, um, people don't realize this about retail either. Mm -hmm. Retail is lucrative. But you eat first. You eat. You gotta. You gotta eat a big chunk mm. of the bill first because in order to ship to the retailers, yeah. they they do thirty day net. Mm. So, so when you, what is it? Thirty day net means they pay you after they got the goods. Thirty Absolutely. thirty, right. and it's thirty to forty five days. That's what I always tell people because it's not once you shipped it. It's once it's in their fucking system. <laughs> right. So if you shipped it, it take three days to get there, and yeah. then you have a lazy employee that didn't put it in the system until a certain amount of time. So it's mm-hmm. like thirty to forty five days later. So imagine you get a deal with Walmart. They want a hundred thousand pieces. You had to pay for them pieces already. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you could take from your online business because your right. online is going to feed it. So you have to have enough inventory and capital to keep you afloat during that time and then even with that not even just getting in but when we went from for cvs we went from like seven hundred dollars to seven thousand wow that's a big difference in fucking inventory wow right so imagine shipping them they shit right but even the figuring out the processes of like you went from shipping one or two three products to a consumer to now i gotta ship seven thousand stores right you send you send it to their distribution center so you send it on pallets but then even with that it's it's the cost of shipping different too now because then the ship the last the shipping bill i just paid was like thirty four thousand dollars I mean, we made a lot, but you know what I'm just saying? It's like, <laughs> I mean, but see, you know, you know what I mean? you know. No, absolutely. So where, where are you guys right now in revenue? Uh, I think we closed 2022 at like, I don't know, 17 million, 18 million. Yes. And it's like not a lot of black women in the hair space, like doing what you're doing. Right. So you like learning because is anybody coaching you? 
No, you know what? I, I really wanted, I have great friends that have mentors, right? Mm -hmm. Like Wall Street Trapper and uh -huh. like I talked to you and yeah. everybody I know that I talked to, even Courtney Adelaide, who uh -huh. had the main choice. Yeah. Everybody has had a mentor. And I'm like, bitch, I'm out here winging it. I'm out here really, <laughs> you know, because it's hard. It's, yeah. it's for me, I guess. Because I've been a mentor to people and I didn't charge, I really thought that's what it was supposed You were supposed mm -hmm. to find somebody that was spiritually led to you mm -hmm. to be able to elevate you. And then I realized that, you know, mentorship is something that's a lucrative business, mm -hmm. but it also is profitable for both, both parties right. if done right. right. I think my issue always becomes, who do I have leading me? Like I'm big on listening to people of value right. and I feel like sometimes you'll meet a person of value, but just because they're leading you on what have what went good for them, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to go good for you. Right. You know, like even when I, when I, when I tell people stuff, I always say I'm speaking from my, my perspective, yep. mm -hmm. my experience and who I am. My expertise is like, I feel like I'm a great creative. I'm a great content creator. I'm great at getting a message out. I will sit and watch the whole Super Bowl behind the commercials. Yeah. I will watch everything behind the commercials. I am up. I'm great at staying on top of trends and what people are into. I don't, I, I'm not a person that likes, like, I don't like, I, I, I like to understand IRI data, but I don't read it. So knowing that when I do give advice to people, it's based off of my particular circumstances, yeah. like real estate. I hate real estate. I'm about to sell one of my last commercial properties. I hate mm, it. Why? I, I think I jumped in too far too fast. So okay. my CPA at the time, that's why I say you got to watch who leads you. My CPA at the time um, had me get an apartment complex, a strip mall and a fucking strip center. Wow. And that's cute because right. the, 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 the place I was cute. leasing, I bought the fucking building. Like, Period. bitch, I bought the building. Yeah, yeah that's cute now. Until yeah. that fucking <laughs> roof cost a million dollars to fix. Huh? Right. So but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I felt like I went too deep too fast yeah. and did not, didn't understand the logistics of real estate. Didn't understand um, finding a proper, um, a right property manager. The the apartment complex I had was a low income, mm -hmm. which is high generating because it has high turnover rate. So you can always go up on the rent, mm -hmm. but it was also, it had a, a, a lot of people didn't speak English. So then my property manager there, it was like hand transactions. It was cash. And when COVID happened, she got COVID. So then I'm in a position where I don't speak Spanish. Right. I don't have anybody else there. And these people don't have um, virtual capability. <laughs> so I don't really know enough about real estate to even understand how to. So I just was like, sell this. I don't have I, I don't have time to learn this, yeah. uh, you know, like because COVID for e-commerce businesses was booming. Right. Right. So I had to focus on something else like the strip mall that I have left now in New Orleans. It's it's probably a lucrative property, but I'm not there to monitor it. And and when you do have a property manager, usually the bigger ones monitoring a whole bunch of different properties. Right, right. And I feel like I got it to be able because I got real estate for tax shelters. Yeah. But they weren't. They haven't been lucrative. They just kind of been like this one right now is a pain in my ass mm. because I was trying to bring it up to code to sell it for a certain amount. Yeah. Well, I gonna say up to code, but like. Chain making it pretty yeah, and doing this and doing that, yeah. but then uncovering like termites and this. I'm like, oh God, I just like this. I just, just deeper and deeper in this. And I think sometimes when, and that kind of goes into like people giving you advice and like learning how to take the right advice. Because even in my journey, it's like, okay, I listen, but dang, I wish I wouldn't have like 
went all in like this, yeah. like kind of like you know. That's why I think that's why I'm so skeptical about because then I, I don't know who. I don't know who. I just it's like yeah. I hear I hear a lot of good stuff about people in their journeys. Like I was talking to Yandy the other day, and she was telling me about some people that she had met and these programs that she's doing, and I. I listen to those things. So I know that it's out there and I know there's opportunity, but I am really big on being connected to somebody that really has your best interest. And right. not as just telling you stuff um, because you're paying for their time right. and from their personal experience. Like to me, it's almost like the person that I did in the beginning, I had somebody that was really pushing me, but they also were my manufacturer mm. a little bit, you know? So then once I, once the business started scaling and they weren't able to produce. We kind of went our we went our different ways, but right. they they used to be like a battery pack in my back. Like you know, it'd be my first time making a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in a day. Okay, so if you could do a hundred, you could do one fifty. You could do two hundred. Yeah. Let's go for that. I mean, wouldn't even let me celebrate more than ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's how that's how yeah. I become like that with people that I'm into. Right. Cause you do, you do, you got um your Judy, like you got your conferences and all of that. So you yeah. do a lot of mentorship. I do. I feel like I've I've taken two steps back. Okay. And the reason why I feel like I've taken two steps back, because I want to be a thousand percent confident in everything that I'm saying. And I said I needed to learn some more first because yeah. I was able to get myself to a certain point. But then I realized, like, I think it was between it was one year I might have made like seven point six and the next year I might have made like eight point one. Okay. And I felt like, you know, it. it there was one year I made 2.4 and the next year I made six. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I felt like I didn't have enough growth and I okay. wanted to make sure that I understood and learn more before I get out and tell people to do stuff and they might get stagnant. So I am a person that is real integral when it comes to what I tell people, what I teach people, or how I tell them to follow me. Right. So I just kind of took two steps back on the Judy dropping out because I felt like, bitch, you got you you got to go get in the books or something for a second. <laughs> Do you feel like it's a learning gap? Like, did you ever have a learning gap in because you came, you were a hairstylist like this wasn't the dream, right? Like to be right. in. Well, it might be a dream, but this you didn't know. This, I can't this tell was, you it was. Mm. I was I didn't bitch. I didn't. <laughs> I never thought I was going to be no millionaire. Nor yeah. was it on my vision board or yeah, nothing. Truth yeah. be told. I was cool with being a hairstylist because hairstylist was, you know, like a hairstylist didn't make lucrative money. Right. I felt like I was making like $150,000, $200,000 yes. and that was big yeah. in the time that I was making it. Right. So, and I had felt like I got a two-story house. I had never growing up, my a couple of my friends had two-story houses. I never had a two-story house. I felt like I could buy a two-story house and mm -hmm. I was, I ain't gonna say I was good with that, but the thing with me was I always wanted more. Right? So I always wanted... In doing hair, I always wanted to be able to make more every year. It's, mm -hmm. I used to be so anal. Like, I used to keep up with my daily amount that I was making. Okay. And every year, I would make sure I would compare the months ah. to make sure that there was some growth. And I felt like if there wasn't any growth, I needed to add something. I, okay, right. maybe you need to add braids. Maybe you need to do color. Maybe you need to but do this. But you was keeping data before. That was like. When I tell you, I still have it handwritten, too. What? I still have it. It's crazy. Because I was like, why the fuck did you do this? It was so. <laughs> it was nothing that I was taught either. It's yeah. crazy. It was nothing like my dad was an accountant. Mm -hmm. He did real estate. He did a lot of different things before he passed. But. It's not that he taught me. It's just something that I, because I think I just wanted to know and make sure that I was growing. growing. Something just told me I just needed to keep fucking growing. So I, yeah. I didn't see this for my life. I was doing hair and then it just, here we are. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Now you popping. Okay. <laughs> you be like, 
Okay, I think I you you don't think you're a little lit? I do. Okay, I, I was do. like, come on, Judy. I do. No, I I do. Yeah, I do. And mm-hmm. like, this is now because people are actually looking up to you, right? Like they're looking like like I want a brand like this, right? And they and what? But you said you had some gaps in learning. Like, what were you feel like the gaps that you had in some of the things you need to go back and like really learn? I think for me, um, when I first came to market. It was four things. The Miracle Drops was the last that I took to market. Mm-hmm. And I sold those. It might have been up to six things, but I sold that for, a, I don't know, like three, four years before I added anything else. Because my mentor at the time was saying, no, we just need to stick with this. This is going to go this, that, and the other. But they've come to find out that person could only manufacture a certain number of things. So even me learning that my SKU count wasn't really rational when it comes to scaling or growing a business. Um, And then also being okay with delegating tasks, um, being okay with building a team, learning your COGS, like learning your cost of goods, negotiating your cost of goods, Mm -hmm. um, knowing your profit margin. And the thing that I could say I wish I would have knew when you first go into stores and when you first do deals, there's certain percentages. And the salesperson that I had at the time, who was kind of new, has me locked in. Now, granted, the drops have a crazy margin, so right. it's, it doesn't affect me as much. Right. But I have been now, I've signed up with these people that I sell to, to sell at, I think it's a 2040 or I think it's a 25 40 or whatever it is supposed to be like a 2040. So there's a 5% of business that I do not get because of something that somebody else did. And I wish somebody had told me that because I didn't fucking know. Right. (laughs) You were happy. You was in the moment. Well, that and, you know, not happy in the moment, but we about to make more money. I didn't know that I wasn't making the most that I could have or that these numbers were not the average. Right. You know, I think he was going in trying to do the deal, trying to make sure we got as much as we could get. But then in turn, I now, you know, because then you fight, you you will fight with the people to change margins mm. once you've started something with them. And so now you can, it's like you can't go back because that was the deal. Probably could, but it'd be difficult. Yeah. It'd be really difficult because now everybody's cost of business will change because we right. sell to a distributor. The distributor will sell directly to the store. Right. Once we changed it to the distributor, it's going to change to the, the store. store. Right. And then if the stores aren't as profitable, they don't push your product as much. Mm-hmm. But if so it had been, if out. it had set up, if it had been set up the right way, yeah. they would have been used to those margins anyway. Right. So it, it's like, if I do try to push for it, I could push for it, but I might have a decline for a little while. Right. So what do you feel like that was one of your biggest L's as a CEO or what what is your biggest loss that you feel like you've taken as a CEO? The biggest loss I think I've taken as a CEO is mistakes that my employees made. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Mistakes that my employees have made. That is the biggest. Cuz if I had to add the value up of everything that happened, mm-hmm. that's that will bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's that's the best I could say because because yeah. the label thing is just one, right? It's several things. It's always something. Oh, it's always and but that's why I say it's that's why I have been really like I've really been intentional about trying to learn mm-hmm. 
how to hire people properly, yeah. trying to learn how to teach. Because I didn't realize we had to teach people culture. I yeah. felt like when somebody comes in, they'll kind of adapt, see and understand company culture. Because the company culture here is, um, I've, I've never been a manager. Like my first, I, I tried to work at Burger King, might have did three days. They didn't went black. They wanted me to cut my nails and make my head go lower. That was it. I quit. <laughs> like um, that was a wrap. So I've never been a manager of people, so I don't micromanage. So I think the biggest piece of company culture here is we have a lot of self-starters. So if you come in and that's not that's not the situation, if I haven't identified it and I don't have anybody managing you, I'm going to be disappointed because everybody else here is self-starters and we don't have to micromanage. And I don't mind having somebody here that we have to micromanage, but I have to identify it. I need to know that. Right. And they're not going to say it, but I just have to be able to identify, okay, this person needs to be. Right. Right. This was good. I feel like we could talk for hours about how ghetto being a CEO is. I think the good, but I'll say this. Uh Uh-huh. As many L's as we take, yeah. we do have wins. Absolutely. You know, like we do have substantial wins. We do have these great opportunities. I think my biggest accomplishment to date um, has been, I think I told you this, when I did the tour with Judy Dropping Knowledge mm-hmm. and I taught 18, over 18,000 people yes. and over 9,000 of them got saved. So yes. I feel like that along with being able to bless people like yeah. um, my employees, I like giving people experiences mm-hmm. and, you know, experiences usually cost money. Yeah. <laughs> so if, you know, if it's my like one of my um, employees is from Trinidad and she was trying to see her mom and didn't get a chance to so fly her home mm-hmm. or one of my employees, um, she hadn't seen her son in over a year. It was mm-hmm. always bad timing and the flights were too high. So fly her son here to see him so those kind of things really 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 make my heart smile so I do feel like being a CEO is ghetto as hell and I don't want to seem like we just complaining 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 because it's lucrative and it's worth it it's just it's ghetto (laughs) (laughs) you know and and I say this all the time I think I end every episode with this and I say you know we are talking about how being a CEO is ghetto but I know we would never trade this for anything else in the world. No, you're right. You're right. And I, I'll say as much as I complained about the employees that did not work out, mm-hmm. I am a thousand percent grateful for the people that I do have. Because they are, they are really, they are holding, they, we are carrying the ship together. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. We all trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I love that. So listen, Judy, what is, leave them with some last words, some last advice um, on how they can continue to manage in this situation, right? Like I know somebody's watching this and they're like, you know, being a CEO is ghetto and I, I just don't know if it's for me anymore. Like, what would you say? Honestly, prayer. Yeah, I feel like, um, I feel like in all things, prayer is actually the thing and not to be cliche or anything, but I feel like in your hardest time, Mm -hmm. the person that you always can call on, the person that you can always go visit is going to be unavailable. And it has nothing to do with them not wanting to be there for you, but Mm -hmm. sometimes God puts you there for his alone time. So I feel like if you make intentional alone time and you have an intentional relationship with him, he could guide you through anything. Yes, I love that. Listen, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in for another episode of the Ghetto CEO Podcast. Make sure you, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, all the things. If you are watching us on any of the podcast channels, make sure you leave us a review, okay? And then send this to like 10 people because everybody needs to know that being a CEO is giving very much ghetto. So I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye.